You want to get started, Leah? Yeah. Okay, cool. Amazing. So um, hopefully all of you know by now who I am. My name is Sydney Rebelada. I'm the co-creator of Body I Love You, the six-week course. And we are so excited in the last like year or so, we've just really tried to expand on social media to be more reachable and more in communication with our audience. And this is one of the ways that we feel so excited to dive into that going live every Friday, talking about a specific topic as it pertains to our bodies and our relationship to our bodies. And obviously one of the topics that we're so excited to talk about is diet culture or rather anti-diet culture. What the hell that even means, right? And um, just really getting into how this affects all of us and affects our current relationships to our bodies. And obviously with Body I Love You, our goal is to heal those pieces of you that you were trained or broken in the first place. So I'm so excited to have Leah on this call today because she is an intuitive eating specialist as well as an anti-diet culture specialist. There's not somebody better to have this conversation with right now. Leah, would you mind giving yourself a brief introduction? What what got you into this? What got you uh, Well, I mean, I think we all end up doing the work that we do because it came from our own journey, right? Um, and so I grew up a child of the 80s with a mom that was always on a diet. And, um, you know, when I kind of got out of the house, um, you know, that was my relationship with my body was always needing to fix it and change it and lose weight. And um, it sucked. <laughs> it took, you know, looking back at it now, um, I wasted like so much time and energy and mental space um, in the diet world. And um, I happened to stumble into um, intuitive eating and um, this whole idea of anti-diet culture. And it was life-changing for me. Um, it is definitely the key, like it, for me, you know, we all kind of, I think, start our body acceptance journey in different ways. And for me, that was really, um, started with healing my relationship with food and dieting. Um, that was wow. kind of my, my gateway into starting to have some body acceptance. And so I have kind of made it my mission now to help <laughs> spread the word and help other, uh, women heal their relationship through, um, food with food in their body. Um, yeah, it's, it's huge. I mean, it's, to talk about it, but diet culture is everywhere. <laughs> it massively impacts us so much. Leah, you had posted a statistic on your social media not too long ago around, what was it? It was like advertisements that we have received throughout our lives. Do you remember that one? I do. Yeah. I don't remember the number. <laughs> it was a high ass yeah. number. It was like tens of thousands. I want to, yeah. for some reason, the word 17,000 is popping into my brain. I'm not sure yeah. why, but it sounds right. In terms, in terms of um, how many advertisements we are, uh, we are exposed to throughout our lives up until a certain age. And even me, I am a self-love coach. I, I have not abided to a specific diet for years at this point, which even saying that out loud is so crazy to acknowledge and to admit. And even so, I'm getting countless emails. YouTube advertisements, I see this shit absolutely everywhere. It absolutely floods our stuff. Yeah. And 
one of the things that Lee and I were excited to discuss today, because we know that so many people can relate, are all of the things that we've put our bodies through in the name of health. But what we're really talking about here is in the name of fitness or not fitness, thinness, because we have been trained that thinness is the priority. It's on this pedestal. And we, in our minds, I think we've kind of like sneakily been like, yeah, this is for health. This is for health. But by the way, like starving yourself for a week. Yeah. That would be totally good for your system or doing this cayenne pepper and syrup cleanse. Like, yeah, that's healthy for you. And we, I have been duped. I have been sold so many times on the magic pill. That's finally going to allow me to love my body. Spoiler alert, none of that shit worked. <laughs> so Leah, I'd love to hear, hear from you when it comes to diets and stuff that you have tried and just what was your experience with that growing up? Yeah, um, like, well, my mom was always like on Weight Watchers or Atkins or whatever, you know, yeah. proceeding through. Um, and what's hilarious is I actually, I think I shared with you, like after she lost a bunch of weight one time, she like actually went and got liposuction <laughs> and, um, that was like her like reward for herself. And, um, you know, the crazy thing is that the weight still comes back. It just comes back in a different, slightly different way on your body. Right. Um, so, you know, damned if you do damned, if you don't, but, um, right. for me, myself, I, my main thing was calorie counting. Um, I did do some weight watchers. I also did, um, zone diet for a little bit. Um, I've done whole 30 multiple times. And like when I first started with whole 30, it was, uh, very much from like a weight loss, uh, point of view, but as I kind of grew, I turned into that, like, oh, but it's healthy, right? I turned into doing Whole30s for elimination diet purposes, for like, yeah. more about myself, that kind of stuff, um, but still kind of wanting weight loss and right. um, not really changing my relationship with food. But yeah, calorie counting was the big, the big thing for me and um, really just like getting super OCD about what I was eating weighing everything, um, you know, obsessing over menus, reading all of the labels, all of the ingredients, um, doing, I've done paleo. Um, I never really got on the keto bandwagon, um, because I don't really do a lot of dairy. It just doesn't agree with me. So I was like, there's no way I can <laughs> just eat a bunch of meat and cheese. Um, I've even done like detoxes, right? Like, or like gone oh, yeah. for a month. I didn't ever really get into products like shakes or you know like those kinds of things as much yeah um, I did kind of focus on real food sort of you know yeah yeah there were periods of like sugar-free you know uh yeah. low fat, fat free all of the things to save calories um but yeah yeah uh, yeah I think my bigger problem actually for myself was just like over exercising and um like feeling like I had yeah. to my food and, you know, balancing the calorie equation. It was always like, okay, if I run an extra <laughs> half hour, I can have that glass of wine tonight <laughs> and those kinds of very just disordered eating. Um, yes. That came out it's of very it. like punishment based. This is bad and this is good. Mm -hmm. And we're just always supposed to relate to things that way. Yeah. Which in hindsight is such a trip because so many people are different and their bodies are truly different for so many reasons. I was recently having this conversation with uh, a personal trainer of mine, actually, 
we're not currently working together, but we have in the past and he's awesome. But he was saying how like one diet that's going to work for you is not going to work for this Latina woman who like beans and rice are part of her shit. And guess what? Like we can make that work for whatever goals she has. And so for, for any company to kind of come out with this blanket, one size fits all fixed to the problems that they persuaded us that we have in the first place is absolutely maddening. And for anybody who saw the, the email that we released this morning, the diet and weight loss industry is a $70 billion annually globally industry. That's $70 billion. And if you read the other statistics, diets have a failure rate of about 95 to 98%. And for the people who do lose weight, they very often end up gaining it back. And not only that, but a majority of them gain back more weight than they were when they started, which if that doesn't scream, Hey, maybe this is toxic behavior and this isn't working. And maybe these companies don't have my best interests at heart. I don't know what does. Yeah. Well, and what's crazy to me, I actually did like an Instagram reel on this earlier this week or last week is that like, if, if a diet was like a prescription drug that the FDA had to approve for its use, there's no way it would ever get approved. And yet we find everybody in our medical community, doctors, you know, every personal trainers, whoever is prescribing diets as for weight loss even though their success rates are so abysmal. And I don't know, like there's, there's this part of us that thinks that, okay, this is the exception. I'm the exception. I'm the 2% that can make right. this work. And I'm serious about this, this time. So this is going to work for me. Yep. This is it. And I, I like to joke. It's like, sorry, you're just not that special. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And even the special ones, like, okay, so you're just now permanently into the thing that these insane restrictive diets work. And so like, is that actually attainable? Is that actually empowering? Now it's just somebody who's gonna perpetuate the same bullshit to the other 98% that it didn't work for. And it really just does keep this cycle totally, totally going. Yeah. We, uh, um, I think we did this in our Instagram quite a while ago, but all the Billy coaches had a conversation where we met and we're like, let's talk about all the crazy diet shit we've ever done before and listening. So yeah, we're all talking about like, yeah, you know, experimented with paleo. I've experimented with keto for a while. Cause I was just telling Leah, I used to actually coach for a keto company. Um, and that's, there's so many things that I used to coach around that I just am not on board with anymore. It's, it's crazy after learning what I've learned how any form of eating can actually become pretty toxic and harmful depending on how you're, you know, kind of approaching it. And we're talking about, um, like Jen and I were talking about, I've done this a number of times when I was in high school, actually taking, this isn't even a diet. This just shows the impact of diet culture, but I would work out and I would take saran wrap and I would wrap it around my stomach a million times because it was like, that is going to target all the fat in my stomach. And I'm not going to have to worry about that anymore. And that's great. And then Jen actually one up to me. She's like, oh, I used to do that. But guess what you do first? You put on hemorrhoid cream on your stomach. And we're just laughing about all of these things. I used to take this um, diet supplement was what it was advertised as. It was a diet pill that basically like extracted all the fat from your food that you ate. So in 
a mind and in a society that we're literally trained that the word fat is like a bad word. Calling somebody fat is bad and offensive when like there's just fat people out there who are owning their beautiful bodies and owning their shit. We're always looking for the fat-free option, especially like in the 70s, 80s, all fat-free diets, like fat was totally bad, especially that generation was just totally trained that trained that fat is bad. And um, I took this, this pill that's supposed to restrict all this stuff. And guess what it does? It turns it into this orange oil. And there's literally, this is a lot of information, anal seepage because this orange oil just like comes out of you. I remember one time I was at work and all of a sudden I like feel something happening and I had to go to the bathroom. There was orange oil all over my clothes. And I started talking to women about this thing because it was a pretty known supplement when I was taking it. And this woman straight face, I'm not lying. She's like, oh yeah, you know, sometimes you have to wear like a diaper with something like that, but it's really great. It really does work. And I'm like, at what cost? Like, is that, <laughs> did you just tell me to buy adult diapers in service of being okay with having anal seepage for the service of losing weight? And after that, it was like, oh, this, this whole industry is fucked. This whole industry is, doesn't care at all about our sanity or our well being or our health. Yeah. Yeah. So well, and I mean, you mentioned earlier the just, $70 billion industry that's just diet and weight loss that also doesn't take into account just the general beauty industry and fashion industry. And yep. when you add those numbers in, it's like $230 billion. And you can't ignore that those have a major role in diet culture and major. influence that they have over our decision-making. And, um, you know, they're basically creating the ideal image that everybody is chasing. Yeah. 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 I think about like diet advertisements. Um, I used to work, this is a sidebar piece, but I used to work in a tanning salon in sales when I was so bad at it. I just could never sell anything from the tanning salon and I would never tan. So nobody wanted to buy tanning products from me. It was bad, but, um, they, I keep losing my train of thought this morning and it's absolutely driving me insane. My mom used to always say uh, that brown fat looked better than white fat. <laughs> and that's what she said. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow. Shoot, I totally lost my train of thought on that one thing. Well, oh, now I know where I was going. They would teach us in service of sales what were called like Jedi mind tricks. So little things like you'd be taking somebody around the salon to sell them something and you'd be like, how does that sound? And like when we talk about like, pale skin or like whatever, like things that didn't work. We would, we would very much have to like reflect our faces to portray what we want them to start believing. And I think about like anti-diet advertisements and all this stuff and how they show the before and that person's really sad and like grabbing their fat in this really disempowering way. They're like, you know, and then they show the person who's like the after and they are all of a sudden like they're life is perfect and they have everything all figured out. And this is almost another segue, but so many women, so many people who I've come across talk about in their journey to seek health 
sometimes that does involve losing weight for whatever reason that looks like for you. There's so many different reasons that weight loss could genuinely impact positively somebody's life. And for many others, that's not the case. Um, but it really points us into this direction that this is supposed to look a certain way. We're designed to believe a certain thing about everybody's bodies. And it's just not the case because what works for me, Leah, doesn't work for you actually. And we're both people who are on the same team in this conversation. You know what I mean? We've, we've grown very comfortable with the fact that our bodies are different and they require different things in order to make us thrive. Right. Well, and I think that, you know, it's really important to also just acknowledge that like the, you know, most of the before and afters and the um, images that are portrayed to us of like the ideal body type that we should be um, chasing is whitewashed, right? It's very much um, attractive than white women that are, um, you know, shown and even like BMI, you know, we were kind of talking before we got on the call, BMI is, you know, a measure of quote unquote health based on height and weight ratios. And that was all created for a European white man. And so like none of our considerations for what an ideal body looks like take into consideration persons of color or women or um, any of that. It's, you know, like, like a natural woman usually has more fat. Like that's just how we're designed genetically. And we have more curves. We have we tend to have hips for childbearing, all of these things that right. are so normal and natural and honestly beautiful, right? That yeah. we're all so unique and different, but we are bombarded with images of just one type of body and one type of image our entire lives that we're supposed to be chasing. So true. One thing that I actually learned recently is one of the things that sticks out to me a lot when it came to the diet culture that I was raised in is flat tummies. We always wanted flat tummies. The nineties was considered like the midriff power of females where like you showed off your stomach and we all wanted that flat Britney Spears tummy, that flat insert whoever's name here tummy. And, um, and we've even coined, I don't know who, but the, the concept of a FUPA have we all heard of a FUPA? Anybody who doesn't know, and excuse my language here, but what it means is fat upper pussy area, which is basically the fat that's like around your lower area of your stomach and kind of like over your uh, uterus, I guess. One of the things that I recently learned is women tend to, to carry a little more fat there to protect our insides, to protect our uterus. And we're sitting here trained to hate this thing and to wish this thing away and to go to any degree or any measure that we can possibly think of to eliminate this beautiful thing that our body's like, girlfriend, we're trying to protect you. Like we have your back right now. Why are you hating on us so much? And we so often make our bodies wrong for doing its exact functionality because somebody else told us that our bodies are wrong. Well, and that's why your body just holds on to fat in general is that it's a survival mechanism, right? And there's been yes. a lot of studies that people that are overweight, I'm using overweight as in reference to like the BMI chart, not what we really consider overweight, but sure. overweight or obese um, tend to live longer than people in a normal or underweight weight category. Really? And so, you know, if we're doing all of this in the name of health, right. And most people equate health with living like a long 
active, healthy lifestyle, you know, and being able to make it to old age, actually having more weight on is what will do that for you. Right. Right. <laughs> Yet we fight it. Like that's what we're constantly, we think that we can fight our genetics and fight our biology. And that's why diets fail is because when we go on a diet, we are going into, you know, our brain, our body thinks it's starving and it goes into, creates all these protective mechanisms to hold on to everything that we give it and to, you know, conserve as much energy as possible and also train your brain to, seek out food at every opportunity, right? We think that that's why we have this diet binge cycle is because when you're literally telling your brain for days, weeks, months, whatever, that you can't have something or no, you can't have this or you've eaten enough, right? And it's like, no, no, like we need more and it's going to be fighting you. And that's why dieting is so challenging is because you're literally working against all of your body's survival mechanisms. Right, right. Yeah, I was just thinking of how I think one of my primary takeaways that like is still so I'm still very aware of it in my mind is that there are good foods and there are bad foods. And even like there's good bodies and bad bodies. You know, it's a it's a very either or context that we have all just like really, and I don't even want to say fallen into, it's been extremely intentional to manipulate our society into believing these things. And one of the things I need to do more research on that, but I'm, I'm seeing more scientists come out with evidence that when you are ingesting a food into your body with energetically relating to that food as bad, our body processes it differently because we're saying, we're saying this thing is bad, essentially like putting our wellness in danger by eating this thing. So our body literally absorbs it, breaks it down totally differently than it would if we had a positive energy, positive response to the food that we're actually fueling our bodies with. And Leah, one of the, one of the reasons, one of the millions of reasons why I was excited to have you on this call today is because you have done so much research around the scientific evidence that proves that so much of the stuff that we've learned till this day is actually horse shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's actually interesting that you bring up the, 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 like how your body digests things differently is that there's actually something called a satisfaction principle in food. And so like, if you're forcing yourself to eat plain chicken and steamed broccoli without any seasoning, cause that's what you need to do to lose weight and you're not enjoying it, your body does not process it as well as it would if you were eating something that you were actually enjoying it like yeah. time to like extract the nutrients and all the goodness out of something like so that's like you know I work one-on-one -on -one with people and kind of rewiring their relationship with food through intuitive eating and that's one of it is like you need to actually enjoy your food like that is a factor in how our bodies process um and so, you know, just because I mentioned intuitive eating, it's a way of eating that was developed in the nineties, I think 1995, um, by two dietitians that had been working in the, you know, in the dietitian model, prescribing weight loss, you know, calorie restricting, doing all that and realizing it wasn't working with their clients. And so they created intuitive eating principles as a way to honor what your body needs and learn to eat for your specific body type, right? Like there is no one size fits all approach. And when they created it, they said it was science supported, meaning that there were um, 
there was research that supported, you know, we're starting to see that 95 to 98% of diets fail type of research coming out. Um, but they couldn't say it was science backed because it was this new concept. And mm. now it's been, I don't know, 20 something years since that has come out. And now people are actually doing research based on intuitive eating as a way of eating. And so now there's, there's been like 130 studies in the last 10 years on intuitive eating and it is wildly successful. Um, you know, they're using it to help, help people heal from eating disorders. Um, you know, and people, yeah, sometimes you lose weight and sometimes you don't, but everybody's overall health improves when they adopt this intuitive eating lifestyle. And what's more important to me, I think, than the physical piece is just the mental piece, right? Like the, the damage that dieting does on our body image and our confidence and just our, uh, how demoralized we get and it increases stress. Like the, it's very bad for our mental health and intuitive eating is a way that you can overcome all of that and feel really good about your relationship with food and, um, and yeah. your body. It's awesome. And it's really awesome to see all this new science coming out that supports, um, it's success. And yeah, are able to now, you know, have sustained that lifestyle, um, and are still reporting, feeling awesome about it. Um, so it's really encouraging, um, to see. Yeah. I'm just so aware when I was listening to you speak about how much money truly people make off of us disapproving of our bodies and how these trends or fads are constantly shifting, right? Like I did some research recently, and this is probably not news to everybody, but being heavier, being fat, being, you know, whatever, whatever word you see used to actually be a sign of a, a symbol of status, because it meant that you weren't out there doing all this like labor all day. It meant that you're chilling inside eating good. And it was actually a, a, a symbol of status, whereas thinness was viewed as a symbol of, of not that because, you know, you're obviously not eating very much and you, you must be, you know, what, whatever that looked like when that was the story. And there's always these different trends or we hear so much about fad diets. It's like the next, the next hot thing, the next thing that's going to get you there. And they we were talking about this before about how our, I don't even Feel like we're trying to hide it anymore to be totally honest our society just totally prioritizes thinness over health to the point that a lot of the diets that we are partaking in actually are incredibly unhealthy when it comes to our bodies and our needs for our bodies yeah yeah well and i think the key there is like who gets to define what healthy is and is exactly it? You, you mentioned earlier about viewing foods as like good and bad. And one of the things that I like to just point out is like, maybe, um, you know, you do fine with um, like a whole wheat sandwich with lettuce and tomato and, you know, chicken, and it's great for you. And that is something that you maybe deem healthy, but what if there's somebody that has celiac and that like, yes, you can say that's healthy for you, but is that healthy for them? Or, you know, we promote a lot of like veggies and like, like that's healthy if you eat more vegetables, but what about somebody that has, um, IBS or SIBO or something that has a really hard time digesting vegetables? Like, does that mean that that's the healthiest option for them? Right. right. 
And so when, you know, we're taking, we're getting bombarded with data and ads and all this stuff all the time, telling us what's healthy and they contradict each other <laughs> first. Um, huh? that is just because we're, like you said, we're all different and what works for one person isn't going to work for the next. And, you know, it's funny before I really niched down into intuitive eating and anti-diet, I was kind of just a generic health coach. Yeah. I'll help you get healthy, whatever you want. And people would always want to be like, okay, you can give me a meal plan and a workout plan. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not what we do because who am I to say, like to give you a, a meal plan? I don't know anything about you, your body, your life, like what works. And we talked about earlier, like meal tiny, like you do better with like small meals six times a day or three big meals, or, you know, I don't know that I'm not, you're your body's expert, right? Right. But then through all of the dieting, we have lost touch with what our body is actually trying to tell us. You know, we have tried berating our body into submission <laughs> of like, no, you will thrive on a 1200 calorie diet because I'm telling you to, or yeah. yes, you have to have like this amount of protein at every single meal. Um, and so it's, you know, we, we've lost touch with what our own like hunger and fullness cues look like. And like, what, like if I ask somebody, like what food like leaves you feeling awesome? Like what food energizes you? Most of the time they're like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 So out of touch with just ourselves. And, um, it's because it's easy to play by somebody else's rules. Right. You need to just be told what to do. And we find Yeah. I have so many different thoughts about this. I keep writing down thoughts because it's very funny that I forget and I see the next shiny thing. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about is I, and Leah, I don't know that we've actually talked about this yet, but I used to identify as a compulsive overeater. And I kind of realized a couple of weeks ago, it's, that's no longer a fit for me, which is crazy to say out loud. Cause I've identified as one for a long time. I used to go to compulsive overeating support groups and, um, and it always, so whenever I heard the concept of intuitive eating, I heard it as, so I'm going to eat whatever I want. Like that's genuinely what I heard. Cause I, I was, I was confusing intuition with the strong cravings that I was having in my brain because I always did want to stuff myself because I always was on something for really short bursts of time that was incredibly restrictive. And so that never like connected with me. Cause it was like, no, you don't get it. I'm a compulsive overeater. There's no such thing as intuitive eating. I'm going to be eating 12 donuts a day for three weeks straight. It's going to, that's not good. That's going to be insane. And what I've learned, and for me, it's actually been a slow process is that when it came to the concept of intuitive eating, I was still relating it to a place where I was like this broken thing who like had this disease where I can't help but eat everything in sight. And the reason why I needed to eat everything in sight is because I was going through these bursts where I would eat nothing that I wanted to eat, nothing that I was excited to eat. So it was all very much this like when I did have something in front of me, I would eat it like somebody was actively trying to take it away from me. Cause it was like, today's the day, fuck it. Today's the day I'm going to eat all these things and we'll worry about the shit tomorrow. And then the yeah. cycle just continues. Cause then it would yeah. be incredibly restrictive and then just like really, really go for it in terms of binging to the point that I've made myself sick more times than I can count. I've binged to the point that I can't walk. I've been so full. And the, the difference is, is that's not 
intuitive eating. And the point that you made is we're so far from being in touch and in tune with our bodies and their actual genuine needs, because since the moment we're born, we're kind of, uh, we're kind of just totally soaked with all these ads and whatever bullshit convincing us, like I said earlier, that we have these problems that actually aren't problems. We're just trained to perceive them that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it even starts like as kids, right? Like I, um, I have always struggled kind of with overeating as well. I don't, I wouldn't say it's probably to the same extent of like really binging, but I definitely overeat at meals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you start to kind of rewind the tapes, it's like, oh yeah, my mom always told me to clean my plate. There's starving kids in Africa. (laughs) I was just going to say those starving kids in Africa. And I would always be confused about that. Like, can we send it to them? Like, do they, like, I never understood. But it's like all those little things also kind of shape our relationship with food. You know, we're all born intuitive eaters. You know, you, you picture, you see kids, they, they know what they want and they'll eat as much as they want. And when they're done, they're done. And it's us that we start pushing them to, oh no, you need to eat more. Oh no, you need to eat more. Yeah. And, and that's where that like shift starts to happen where we're told that we're not doing it right. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is that, you know, it's like, okay, how do we quiet all that noise? How do we like get rid of all the food rules and really honor what we need ourselves? Um, yeah. (sighs) So true. The comparison of it all too. I know I noticed really used to debilitate me because I would come across people who were like, this shit works. And I'm like, yes, I can't wait for something to work. Because I was literally genuinely walking around for years of my life thinking that my life would be damn near perfect if I had lost uh, like 30 pounds. I may have said this on a live before. And then the reason to go back into BMI, the reason that very specific number of 30 pounds is because according to my BMI, I'm, I'm obese. And the thing that would get me to no longer be obese would be losing 30 pounds. And I would walk around my my house, all these things, just convincing myself that on the other side of that 30 pounds was I finally get to love my body and it's gonna be so fun to get dressed and taking pictures is gonna be an entirely new experience. I used to put like magnets on my fridge of like, are you actually hungry? And at the time when I did that, like that would be, an empowering thing to kind of like create pause for myself, but really what I'm learning recently and definitely in this conversation is it's all stemming from the bullshit that I was really, really, that we were all really molded into from such an early age to not trust ourselves, to not to relate to ourselves as whole and complete, to not relate to ourselves as broken. Yeah. Well, and then the thing is that we, you know, we have this cycle of going on diets and failing at diets and repeating that over and over. And every time you fail at a diet, we're not blaming the diet. We're blaming ourselves. Right. And I couldn't, I couldn't hang. I couldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. Your, your biology is doing exactly what it's designed to do. The problem is the diets, but we don't see that. And every time you restart and fail every time you do that you're breaking trust with yourself every single time and it's it's really hard to rebuild that trust um (laughs) um, 
<laughs> um, and get to where we can, like, you know, when you start intuitive eating, yeah, you may go out and eat donuts for 13 days in a row. Like, that's cool. That's part of the process. Um, but after you've given yourself full permission to say, hey, yeah, I can eat donuts when I want to eat donuts. All of a sudden your brain's like, oh, cool. Well, we'll have them when we want them and we don't want them right now. Yeah, for sure. Because guess what? After I'm eating several donuts, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, my body's not happy with me right now. My body's not happy with me right now because of how I just fueled it. My body's very clearly telling me like, hey, uh, no, we don't. This is a lot for us. We don't, we don't like this. Yeah. Whereas like, do I, and that's one of the things that I think that is so important to acknowledge as well. When it comes to health, we're not even just talking about our physical bodies. Mm -hmm. I struggle with mental health shit all the time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if I can find genuine comfort in some ice cream for a night, I'm not kidding. Intuitive eating for me and doing the healthiest option for me before has looked like going out and buying ice cream and enjoying the fuck out of that ice cream. And that feels good. And I stand by that decision Absolutely. truly, yeah, truly. Yeah. And I think people step over that piece of things as well. Cause it's like, Hey, we're talking again, diet industries put on a nice dance and mask pretending like they're trying to serve our health. Mm -hmm. Um, but really that's not what it is. It's, it's what's going to prioritize thinness. What's going to make this person think that they're broken. What's the fix that we're guaranteed promise promising them. And then when we watch them fail, how can we rope them back in? Yep. You were saying something earlier when it comes to health, health as a whole, I forget what it was. I really should be writing more notes. Is that ringing any bells for you? I mean, yeah, you know, it, it's, um, you know, we have to take our mental health and everything into to consideration. Um, and that's like, I think the thing with like intuitive eating and, and choosing to go to food for comfort is, um, you know, that's, that's fine. That's great. Um, it's just about making that decision, a deliberate one and acknowledging it instead of just being on like autopilot and not like ignoring your emotions, like using it as, um, a crutch or like something to completely like disconnect from your life. Um, you know, cause then that's when it sort of becomes a problem is if you're not actually willing to, you know, do the work. And if you're just on autopilot, it's, it's, it's not really helping you, but if you're making a conscious decision of like, Hey, yeah, I'm struggling right now. And I really need just some feel good me time. And this is like, what my body needs, then absolutely do the thing, <laughs> but just Thousand. autopilot or like a right. technique necessarily. Um, yeah, yeah, it's complicated for sure. Especially once you start getting into like emotional eating behavior stuff, it, it, it's a little bit more nuanced and layered, but, um, for sure. And it's all just opportunity to get curious. Like I, I've, done a lot of those. I, I remember since I was a little girl, I would sneak food. Um, my mom's actually going to be on this live next week, which I'm really, really excited about. But I always remember like growing up, she would go through so many diets. And so I not, and not just her, I was watching television constantly for sure. So you're learning that like, Hey, this is what is good. This is what's right. And this is what's wrong. And 
from that place, it's kind of like, all right, so I've developed this relationship where I feel like I need to hide food because I really want this. But according to the television, that's wrong. And according to my mom, that's probably not the best thing to do. Guess who still notices herself hiding food at almost 30 years old? And I've come to the conclusion in my life, nobody gives a fuck what I eat. I don't need to hide wrappers. And I would go through like, oh my God, I would always put the wrappers of whatever I ate in another plastic bag that was not transparent. That was a big part of things. And then I would put it in the trash can, really shove it down and then probably like throw some paper towels on top. I'm not kidding. Not as to the degree that I would go out of absolute shame to hide the food that I had eaten. And it stemmed from such a young place. So you're right. It is complicated in there. And there are so many layers, layers to pull back of like, what is comforting about food? What is, what escapism does food provide for you? What was your, what were you taught about food growing up? What's your relationship with food now? And again, I think the primary thing that I want everyone to pull from this conversation is we're all so fucking unique and we all require different things. One of the things I actually want to point to is the personal trainer that I had that I mentioned earlier. I was very confronted to hire a personal trainer, um, especially because I know that he specializes in nutrition as well. And I had like fairly recently in the past year really broken up with what for me were toxic behaviors, which was like keeping a food journal was really disempowering behavior for me. Um, weighing myself on the scale is disempowering behavior for me. Just certain things like that, restrictive eating, uh, to like a, an insane degree. So before hiring him, I, I asked for a meeting and I said, Hey, I kind of want to interview you because, um, I have some conditions that I have in order to be confident that we're going to be a good partnership. And I want to get, I want to see if you're on board. And one of my first things was, um, I'm not stepping on a scale. Can you get behind that? And he was like, for sure. There's so many other ways to measure success. I was like, love your response there. That's, that's great. Thanks for that. And then there were some other things too, like he had come up with a food plan. And one of the things that I wanted to acknowledge to him, because I also still to this day, overeat to the point that like past satiation, if you will, um, for a number of reasons, it could be stress or emotion, or I wasn't thinking about it. Maybe I was watching TV when I was eating, whatever. And so he talked about kind of this um, diet plan. And I noticed it was getting a little into the territory of what was like toxic behavior, disempowering behavior for me. And I had to really sit down, have a conversation with myself and have a conversation with him of like, Hey, so I have a history of disordered eating in the past, and this is how it showed up. And this is not what I'm willing to do anymore. For real, are you going to be able to work with me and getting my goals? Cause I never had any weight loss goals or anything along those lines. My, my goals were around strength and flexibility and energy levels, which is so cool to say, because even five years ago it was always, I want to lose 30 pounds. I want to lose 30 pounds before that was probably like 20 pounds. And I genuinely have no idea how much I weigh right now. And I cannot tell you how freeing that is for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think like starting to flip the script on like, what are all the things that's wrong with my body? What do I need to fix? What do I need to change? Um, you know, I think for me, it was kind of the same focusing on what my body can do 
and how amazing it is and focusing on building strength and increasing flexibility and like being able to do a freaking pull up, whatever it is, like yes. that is the type of relationship like I want to have with my body where it feels um, really empowering and cool. And I can like acknowledge all the cool shit that it can do and does for me. Like, you know, even just basic human functions, it's really freaking cool what our bodies do. And um, practicing, like having that acknowledgement and gratitude practice for your body is I think critical in, you know, getting away from this diet mentality of having to change and fix ourselves. And, um, you know, I've, I don't know if I've said this before in Billy or not, but it's like, when we're in this diet mindset, um, our, our come from like our, our intention with it tends to be very negative and from a place of like hating our body. And I think that we should be approaching our health from a place of love and acceptance and loving yourself from the inside out. And I do think that when we're really honoring and respecting our body and our relationship with food, um, we're happier with our bodies, like whether they change or not, like, you know, looking back at some of my, the height of my disordered eating, my body's kind of the same. Like I, I probably, I'm like, think I'm wearing the same clothes. I think I'm probably weighing yeah. about, the same. I don't know. Cause I don't measure myself. And so literally nothing has changed in my body except how I think about my body. Yeah. Really cool. Really cool to, to so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love what you pointed to about like, where are people choosing from or where are they coming from? And that's something that I was actually thinking about yesterday. I was thinking about people who I know who would maybe go on like a juice cleanse. So like really juicing all their fruits and vegetables. They feel really excited about this cleanse because of the way that it makes their body feel. They notice more energy. They notice less brain fog. It's something that they do with their body cyclically because their communication with their body is like their body loves it. It's like a spa treatment for their body and it's delicious and it's amazing. And when I was doing cleanses when I was younger, that is not where I was coming from. <laughs> it was literally always like, let me do this cleanse for this event. And at the event, I'm probably going to get like shit faced. So like having going through that cleanse and then just obliterating my system with alcohol and then my inhibitions are gone. And then guess who is shoving cheeseburgers in my mouth all night um, because I was just coming from that restrictive place. And it's like, finally I can eat yeah. very different places to choose from. You know what I mean? It really is. Where are you choosing from? Are you choosing, are you doing this act out of love and communication for your body, serving your body, giving your body what it needs, or are you making these decisions out of hating your body or relating to your body as broken and in need of fixing? Mm -hmm. Cause your body is not in need of fixing. People just convinced you that it probably does. Oh yeah. And, you know, and I think it's like important to acknowledge that it's super normalized, right. To be judging and criticizing not only our own body, but other people's body. It's just the culture that we live in. And so, you know, even as I'm like throwing my mom under the bus for her <laughs> relationship with what she did, I don't hold that against her. It's just what our norm in our society is. And you know, it's really easy to notice diet culture when it's like in your face, you know, where we see the ads and we see the waist trainers and we see the crazy shake weight, whatever, all the stuff that we see. Um, but it's, there's also like really ninja 
diet culture too, that yes. is really like harder to see. It's so pervasive. It's like really sleight of hand, but it is freaking everywhere, you know, and especially like, I think a lot about even just like Photoshopped photos, right? Like it's, it's not real or using like filters for Snapchats or Instagram. I and mean, I have used filters, but you know, <laughs> that stuff, like all of that feeds into we're not good enough as we are. Um, right. It's just heartbreaking. <laughs> it is heartbreaking. And one thing that I just want to say out loud is I'm super aware that like, I think about this all the time. I'm coming on this call with, this isn't my hair. <laughs> this is fake hair. I paid for it. Um, full face of makeup. Like I spent money on the, the clothing that I'm wearing and the moisturizer that's on my skin. You know what I mean? And I've had, I've had people come and this is a totally different topic, but I've had people come to me and say like, I'm thinking about getting fillers or a, a mommy makeover or whatever. Like, like, what do you think about that? And I think that that's such a loaded question because we were raised in a society that it's extremely common and normalized to go to those lengths to manipulate your physical appearance. And I, I just try to think back like thousands of years. If I was trying to explain to somebody what people are doing now, they'd be like, what? Like they'd be, they'd be mortified by like how bad it gets of the extent, the money we're willing to spend, the pain we're willing to go through in order to manipulate our bodies to fit this standard that we are trained into believing, which is often all bullshit in the first place. Every picture you've seen of the people who you look up to for body stuff when it comes to like societal beauty standards, none of it's even real. Those yeah. people don't even look like that. Right. The, the, um, most recently the workout legging models that put like the butt implant filler things, <sighs> the workout leggings, like yeah. it's, it's crazy. It's everywhere. Um, I know that we're like kind of getting to the top of the hour here. So how do you feel about talking about what the heck we do about it? <laughs> yeah. Cause we come on these conversations. We're like, right. This sucks. And then we leave everyone like, okay, so now what? Yeah. Definitely. Yes. Let's go. Um, yeah. And so, you know, the first step, um, I think to kind of getting out of, um, this whole diet culture, diet mentality is first just to acknowledge the damage that dieting does cause. Um, and really, and that that's going to look different for everybody. Um, so maybe it's reading personal stories or just looking back on your own story. Um, I come from a science background and I think knowledge is power. And so for me, that looks like reading books and listening to podcasts from experts. Um, so there's books like Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison, Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Triobel, uh, Health at Every Size by Lindo Bacon. And these are all super well-researched. Um, they're all dietitians. They have tons of scientific articles that they have published and other research that is all in these awesome resources that you can just like really sink into like, yeah, actually this is a problem, right? But we can't do anything about it if we don't actually start by acknowledging it's a problem, right? Exactly. And that's, I think, uh, probably the the last word that we really want everyone to walk away from this conversation with is it's impossible to address the, the 
issues that we're experiencing within ourselves around how we compare ourselves to other people without going back to where the hell all this stuff came from in the first place. So if you guys are feeling this way, if you're still feeling this way, if you're feeling this way a year from now, we just want to like normalize and let you know, like, Hey, they did a real good job. They did a real, they did a real good job fucking us up and making us believe that we naturally are not worthy and that we're flawed. So we just want to let you know, you're not alone. You're not weird. We're not down talking to you. We're sitting here saying like, oh my God, we get it. And because we have looked back and really done some introspection and research and talked to other people about all of this stuff, we're realizing that like, oh my God, it was all, it was all a ploy to get a bunch of my money. Got it forever. Yeah. Because in this mentality, I'm forever spending money chasing the ideal body. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like twofold, like, right. It's acknowledging diet culture as a whole and the damage that it's done. And then the second piece of this is like recognizing how it shows up in us and our mindset, right? Because we have been a victim to diet culture for our entire lives. Where do you catch yourself falling into that? Like, like pitting foods against each other. Is this good or is this bad? Eating too much? Am I, you know, um, or like, are you choosing the lower calorie option when you're looking at to, you know, loaves of bread or, you know, what are those things that are like subconscious diet stuff that shows up in your life and just notice how that is a factor. Right. And again, don't judge it. Right. It's not, you're not doing anything wrong. You're not screwing up. Um, just get curious about it and be like, Oh, that's really interesting that that happened. Um, you know, I, I did a post on this earlier this week that like, I had to examine my relationship with cauliflower rice right? Because I started eating cauliflower rice in diet mindset of, okay, it's a low cal, low carb option. Yeah. But it turns out I actually like it and I, it's fast and easy to just throw a bag in the microwave and I thrive, my body thrives on more vegetables. Um, and so if I can sneak in some veggies where I can really fast and easy, like that's a win for me. Yeah. Um, and, but you have to like question that of like, okay, am I, do I really like this or am I just right. eating- there's like subliminal scary carb shit totally. happening in my brain. <laughs> totally, totally. The last thing that I just want to say that I, I realized yesterday is um, after Christmas, my husband got me like two boxes of C's candy chocolates when you don't know what you're going to bite into. I find those exhilarating. They're so much fun for me. But I ate so many of them and I noticed um, that, first of all, I noticed that I didn't have any judgment around how much candy I was eating, which was really, really cool and such a breakthrough from where I've been historically. But I noticed after a couple of days, I would get out of bed and I forgot that I used to have this pretty bad joint pain in my knees and um, just like different parts of my body were responding differently. And, and really the only thing that I had changed in my system was eating more sugar. And I'm noticing that like, I used to avoid sugar, like the plague, sugar's bad. I've heard so many times, sugar's the devil. It's so sneaky, it'll sneak up on you and it ruins everybody's lives and whatever. And it was always coming from this like weight loss perspective versus like sugar's fun. You know, sugar's cool. Sugar has its, its moments for me, for my relationship with health in my life. And good to know when I eat too much of it, fucks my joints up. And that's not fun for me. That's not me thriving. That's not me like choosing from loving and empowering my body. So again, it's always coming from where you're choosing from. Please create some introspection around it. Please look into your past. Who's responsible for those narratives in your life. 
society, mom, dad, a teacher, friends that you grew up with, your sorority sister, like truly whoever. Um, and it's, it's important to kind of discover the origin story in order to give yourself some grace of like, oh, that's not my story. I was aggressively trained into that. Got it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and you know, there's also just like all of the tools that we have, like, like the scale, like you really want to embrace saying a big F you to diet culture, get rid of the scale, like just out the window, delete my fitness pal, you know, remove the weight feature from your Fitbit tracker, all of that stuff, just get it gone. Because once it's out of sight, it'll be out of mind and you'll yeah. have to start paying attention to your body to give you other signals, right? Of like being able to notice. True. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So true. Cause I'm sure a lot of people are going to resonate this, but how do you guys play games with yourself with the scale? Like you would be eating a really intense diet and then you would weigh yourself and then, you know, the weights, whatever. And then you would maybe eat bad foods for a week. And you notice that your weight hasn't shifted very much. You're like, okay, I'm just going to eat more of these bad foods or these, I would always play games with myself based on that number of like convincing myself what I could and couldn't do. And my body was never part of that communication. It was always my tricks and my game playing mind trying to mess and manipulate that number. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you choosing from? Yep, exactly. And if you're just hyper-focused on what is happening on the scale, you can't see all the other things that might be happening from making diet changes or moving your body more because you're so fixated. It's like you get blinders on for everything else. And it's like, oh, maybe I am sleeping better. Oh, maybe I do have more energy when I do these things. Like, oh, and those right. are the things that like you actually want and what you're chasing to begin with. <laughs> we get right. so stuck on like, what the hell is the scale doing? Um, yes. It was like, yes. Probably my first kind of aha moment was like, you know, they have like those side-by-side pictures of like, uh, I weighed, you know, 145 in this picture and 145 in this picture. And they're like, kind of, you know, not as toned in one and then like super ripped in the other. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. They appear thinner, but they're, they have more muscle. That was like my first, like, oh, the scale is like not the end all be all, right? Like it measures actually so many different things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think breaking up with the scale is a good step. I recommend it. Yeah. I recommend it. <laughs> Amazing, Leah. Well, thank you so much for giving us all those resources. And anyone watching, please just give one a read. Education is never going to work against you in this topic. So it's so important to really get in there. Like I said, create some introspection. Where did your story come from? And education on what's actually going on when it comes to being intuitive with our bodies. Leah, are there any other resources or anything else that you wanted to, to give these There's fellas? ladies persons out there. Um, I've already kind of mentioned my big books, but there's also podcasts like Christy Harrison has a podcast. Um, there's a bunch of like undiet your life podcast and there mm. you just search for anti-diet undiet intuitive eating um, in your favorite podcast app. And you'll come up with a bunch if, actually reading a physical book isn't your thing. <laughs> um, right. But yeah. Um, and also I have uh, a private Facebook group as well called the Anti-Diet Health Club um, that I'm always sharing stuff over there too. Yes. Amazing. Love it. Because remember guys, it's your body. You get to create your own rules. Heck that yeah. is not somebody else's job. Cool. 
Thank you everyone for joining us today. Leah, thank you so much for letting me pick your brilliant brain. Truthfully, we're probably gonna do a diet culture part two at some point because there's just way too much stuff here. So Leah, we'll definitely be seeing you again. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, thank you everybody. Have a beautiful weekend. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.